You are listening to a Jesus Film Project podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear. Welcome to the Unheard Story podcast, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear. And I'm so excited about our guest today. Today we have Shay Mason with us, and Shay is going to tell us some incredible Jesus film stories, but she's also going to share with us the wisdom and depth of her walk with God over the last 25 years. Shay's resume is remarkable. She's a graduate of both Oxford and Cambridge universities, where she studied theology and Jewish-Christian relations. Shay worked for years on Capitol Hill for three different congressmen, which is where my life intersected with hers. Um, And she's also served her husband um, alongside him as he served as an Anglican pastor for 25 years. Shay's recently published an incredible book, which I've enjoyed very, very much. It's called Rest for the Weary, Finding Freedom from Fear in the Heart of the Father. Shay, thank you for taking the time to be with us today for um, sharing your story with Jesus Film, but also your story of walking with Jesus faithfully for 25 years. Will you tell us a little bit more about your background and um, how you came to write your book? Well, thanks so much for having me here today, Holly. It's just a joy um, to be on this uh, podcast with you after all these years, we've uh, both come a long way since those Capitol Hill days in, in our early 20s. And I just love that we've stayed connected through marriage and families and mission and, and all of the all the things of life. A big part of my story and the reason why I wrote Rest for the Weary is because I've struggled and really wrestled over many years with fear and anxiety. And I'm just so grateful to God that he brought me out on the other side. He showed me what freedom looks like. And looking back at who I was in my early 20s, you know, things on the outside can seem like we're a successful person. We've got it all together. And that was the image that I tried to project. Inside, I was really a shell of a human being. I was struggling with all sorts of doubts. I even doubted my own salvation. I felt like I just couldn't get it right as a Christian, that I shouldn't have doubts and that there was something wrong with me. And I I hadn't been a Christian for long when we first met, actually. Um, I only became a Christian in college when I was 19. And I didn't really have any church background. I was sort of grasping for whatever I could find to help me on this walk, to know Jesus better. And I knew that I wanted to know him, but it was like there was always this missing piece. And I wanted this um, feeling of, of knowing that I know. And that was always missing. And people said, oh, if you're really saved, you should know that your salvation is secure. And I really felt like I didn't, I didn't have that. And so I would go to Christian conferences. I would listen to Christian speakers and I would, I would try to find anything that could tell me that I was really saved to tell me how to do it the right way. And I would 
grasp on to any sort of method that someone could suggest. You know, I would do the right Bible studies, read the right books, get up early in the morning and have my quiet time. All the things that they tell you to do, which are good things, but I still felt empty. And add motherhood into that. And as you know, that's a struggle, you know, for, for any, any mom to make that transition and to suddenly, you're not just worrying about yourself, you're worrying about the life of this, this child. And my struggle at that point in my life really mentally, spiritually, and physically broke me. Oh, wow. I stepped into a place of um, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression, and anxiety. And, um, I just, I knew that I couldn't, couldn't go on like that, but I didn't know the way forward. But the good news is that the struggle drove me straight into God's arms. And you write about that so beautifully in your book. Thank you. It was, it was a story that just on my heart, I knew that it needed to be told because I've, I've met so many other people who have struggled and continue to struggle with the same thing. And my message is just that your heavenly father doesn't want you to to stay in that place that there is freedom there is a way out and his love is the answer mm. and i think what i appreciated so much about your book is that it was um multiple inflection points where the lord met you not just one moment but faithfulness over um a long long journey and um at jesus film project we talk a lot about that moment of salvation that moment when we see um the light go on for people and they know that Jesus really loves them, especially in their own heart language. But there's also the journey after that um, of, of the, of growth in walk with the Lord. Um, and that's to me equally as exciting, although we don't spend as much time talking about it. So it, it is, it's, it is a journey. And that's the thing that sometimes we, we can not give enough credit to what God does in that continuing journey Absolutely. And and for me to go from being this broken, very, very broken new mother, just absolutely racked with fear and anxiety, to 12 years on, getting out on the mission field with my kids, um, you know, a 12 year, well, I guess they were probably 11 and 13, I think the first, the first time we stepped out into the mission field, just being healed up enough to trust God with that whole journey in, in a country where we didn't know at all what we were stepping into. Um, and, and we did much of our um, mission work, um, short-term missions, but repeatedly returning to Madagascar um, once or twice a year for, for a few weeks at a time and just coming to know and love that country. And, and that's where our story intersects with Jesus' film. Wow. Well, I want to hear those Jesus film stories, but I also want to say thank you for being so brave for saying to all of us that it doesn't always look pretty, but the Lord is there and he's faithful and he'll, he's committed to our growth. So I, I'm so grateful for that message. Um, okay. Will you tell us a couple of stories from your time in Madagascar? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny how we ended up going to Madagascar. And from the time my husband and I were first married, we really wanted to be involved in missions. And it was something that at a, a missions conference um, in North Carolina back before our kids were even born in the late nineties, we stood up and made a commitment that we would, we would be involved in missions one day. And for several years, that just meant supporting missionaries. 
um, that we knew were going out and doing kingdom work. And that was great. And that's super important. But we also knew that we wanted to experience that for ourselves. And then you have kids and you think, oh, how are we going to do this? Now, I know for your story, you guys leapt right into it with, with young kids. But um, we just couldn't see a way to do it right away. And um, God connected us with an amazing couple um, named Todd and Patsy McGregor, who currently live in Florida. But they served for many, many years in Madagascar and, and also for a time in Kenya. And they poured their their selves into loving the people of southern madagascar and southern madagascar is one of well madagascar as a nation is one of the poorest nations on earth and southern madagascar is the poorest part of one of the poorest nations on earth so it's just it's something that we couldn't even wrap our heads around um, before we went, we went and even when we arrived, what we were seeing in terms of poverty. And Todd and Patsy, just when they moved there, they, they jumped right into a slum community, living amongst the people there and just loving them over, over decades and um, church planting and being heavily involved in disaster relief because that area gets um, hit by cyclones um, year after year. And and we're talking about villages that they get hit by a cyclone and it's just gone because the homes are just made, many of them are just made out of sticks. And so the people have to just pick up and rebuild again and again and again. Oh and it's, it's a, an extremely challenging mission field. And Todd and Patsy invited us. We were at a church conference in New York. Um, my parents had met Todd and Patsy at a separate uh, church event in Chicago. And incidentally, my husband's parents had met them also. And Love so it. we knew of them and we didn't imagine that we'd ever meet them. And then suddenly they show up at a, a conference that we we're at in New York. And they said, if you're interested, come see what we do. I thought, oh, we couldn't do that. That's impossible. And the more we thought about it, the more our hearts were just drawing us to, to take the leap. And so we went with our kids thinking it would be a one-off trip. And we loved it. We absolutely loved it. We loved the people. We loved what Todd and Patsy were doing. And we loved seeing how they were using the Jesus film in their ministry, in the bush, in very, very remote areas. Um, it was miraculous to see so many people coming to Christ um, through the remarkable work of the Jesus film. Hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. On our second visit, um, we were sent out for an evening of ministry, um, sort of out into the bush. Um, we rode out for a few hours in, in Todd and Patsy's truck Um Todd had become Bishop Todd by then. He became the um, Bishop of the Anglican Diocese in Southern Madagascar, which was called the, the Episcopal uh, Diocese of Tuliar. And he had great connections in all of these little villages extending for many, many miles, an area I, th I think about the size of Texas. I mean, we're, we're talking about a large, a large area. And so he would 
arranged for us to go and do healing services in some of the churches that had been planted. And this particular one was in a small village called Andronavori. And this village um, had recently had a church built, a thriving community. And that year had been hit by a cyclone. So the church that had been built and sponsored by um, some churches actually in the U.S., it had been badly damaged, but we were determined to do a service there. And so we went out with Todd and Patsy and some of their um, evangelists that they were training, rode out in their truck on the rough Madagascar roads and arrived um, sort of late afternoon and went to the church, which had no roof. Mm -hmm. The walls were rubble. Um, The rubble was inside the church surrounding what was left of the pews. And when I say pew, I'm talking about just rough wooden planks. And the people would still meet. This was still Mm -hmm. their church. Mm -hmm. And since that time, and this this was a number of years ago now, that church has been rebuilt. But at at the time, it was rubble, and there was nothing they could do about that. Um, To even have a solid structure is a a major thing. Most people don't live in something that nice. And so they would still meet in the rubble, and that's where we gathered. And Bishop Todd shared a gospel message, and we joined him in just praying for people for whatever their needs were. Mm -hmm. And they came to us um, with typical ailments for an area like that. I mean, dehydration is a huge problem there. Andranivori literally has no source of water and they tried to dig wells that would partially fill with muddy water, but then just be empty again. And and there was just no, no source, but in, in Malagasy tradition, people are not, they don't move from their village readily. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I've been told that it's called the way of the chameleon, that a chameleon steps um, one, its back foot steps into the same place as its front foot. And that the Malagasy people, particularly in the South, see that as a way to live life, that you step exactly where your ancestors have stepped. So moving away from their own village and where their ancestors have lived is, is something they're, they're not really willing to do. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a spiritual dimension to that too, because an- ancestral worship is a common practice in the South. Um, so you have these people who who were choosing to stay in this this village where they're suffering from dehydration and there's no good sources of food. Things don't grow in that soil. And it's just, it is a hard, hard existence. And so when you have a service there and you say, come to receive prayer, whether they follow Jesus or not, they're going to show up. They want prayer. They believe in the supernatural and they will come to receive whatever kind of blessing that they can get. So people came and they said, I have a headache. I have a stomach ache. I mean, these are all very normal things for the, the conditions that they live in. And so you pray for those things. And then there's the people that come and they say, I have this huge tumor. And you pray for these things too. And it's sometimes it's just heart-wrenching. And, and we've seen God do amazing things. And, and that night was one particular incident incidents where my husband and my son were praying for a particular group of people. And I had joined Bishop Todd with my daughter and we were praying for some other people. And while, while we were praying, my husband and son had a little boy come up to them 
And he, he was brought by his mother or grandmother. I'm not sure, but he had terrible sores on one hand. He was in a lot of pain. It was very infected. He couldn't open his hand at all. And it was just, it was a festering wound. I mean, clearly he needed antibiotics. Um, my husband said he wasn't sure what, you know, what the source of this infection was. Possibly it had started as a burn, which is a very common thing since they cook over an open fire and, and kids can sometimes unfortunately fall into that. But it was a terrible, terrible situation. And, and the kid was just racked with this pain. And so my husband looked at the wound and, you know, you have that thought of, oh, do I want to touch that? And he just felt the Lord give him the the courage and the grace to lay his hand right on that wound and, and start praying in Jesus name. And as they prayed, they started to see the boy's face change and they were watching his hand and he began to be able to open it. And he reported through the translator that, that his pain was going away and his hand dramatically improved just throughout the short period of time. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, maybe that they prayed for him. There was a noticeable change in his hand. Now the wound hadn't completely gone away, but he was able to move his hands, his hand and his fingers without pain. And he was just so excited to see this and as they were praying, it began to become nighttime and there's no lights there. So it was kind of the end of, of our time ministering right there in, in the church. You know, when you start to see all the stars above you, as I said, there's no roof left on this church. So wow. the stars start to come out and you think, well, okay, we're, we've got to draw this to a close. But my husband came away with just his eyes wide open, like, wow, you wouldn't believe what we just saw. And they continued to pray that as the little boy went away, that healing would, would continue. And, and we, we pray that it did, but you know, we'll never know for sure exactly what happened after that point, but we know that God was working and the people who saw it knew that God was working. And, and so faith really rises in these circumstances and that's why Bishop Todd and Patsy would always start with a service because they know the Malagasy people are eager to receive from God. And so they come, faith rises. And, and as I said, everyone in the village will come to these services, whether they know Jesus or not. So then as night falls, it's a perfect time to show what? the Jesus film. Oh, and so amazing. Yeah. So we had um, the generator in the back of the truck and the evangelists who were very skilled and getting everything set up. So they had gone to set that up while we were praying. And we came out of the church into the sort of the center square of the village and started the film and, and everybody came. And it was, it was just such a joyous occasion because it was something special that was happening, you know, that to see a film on a big screen in a village like this where they don't even have water or, you know, just normal resources and so this this went on, and, and and I'm sorry to say I didn't get to see all the prayer that happened in and after the film because I actually was coming down with something that night and ended up laying down in the back of the truck, not feeling well at all. But my kids were out there, and my husband was out there, and they just they were so filled with joy after that evening, just seeing the response um, that the people had to the film, and. 
And then I, I would add that, you know, later on, we saw the Jesus film used in many other villages um, and in a, in a much more um, easy to use way with the backpacks that are now available um, because we had to take a truck out to this bush village with a generator and, you know, we made, made it happen. The evangelists were great in doing that. But now that they can just hike out into an area with a backpack to show this, it's, it's a total game changer. Oh, it's so fantastic. And, and as you said, there's in Madagascar, there's no roads, you know, so, <laughs> so you've got to have your backpack to reach the, the last and the least. Yeah. Which is cool. So, yeah, that is so, so awesome. Thanks for telling us that story. Um, okay, so not long ago, you sent me an email, and it's not very often that we get to hear the back end and the front end of a miracle story. But because of this email that you sent me, we got to see the full circle of this story about Father Noelli. Um, will you tell us that story? And maybe I can tell my little part in um, in hearing about it, but it's so incredible. Yeah, this was just so fun. Um, a couple years ago, I don't know, maybe th- three or four years ago now even, um, when we were back in Madagascar, we um, heard a story about, um, well, I, I think Bishop Todd actually shared the story about a an Anglican priest there that we know well named Father Noelli. And he is, he's a leader in the diocese, still is. The, the diocese there now is, is, they have a new bishop since Todd retired. And he's Malagasy as well. So they have all Malagasy leadership in, in the diocese there, which is a great testament to the work that, um, Todd was doing and building that and, and raising local leadership. Um, and, and Reverend Noelli was one of those people. I think the first, he might have been the very first that was elevated to the priesthood there, um, in that, area and so we worked with him for a number of a year years and he he served as a translator of sorts for us sometimes in in church settings um, but English is definitely not his first language um, he speaks Malagasy which is the heart language of the people there and he speaks French fluently which is the language of uh, business and government in Madagascar and um, people who are more educated there would tend to speak French as well but English is definitely something that, you know, he, he speaks a bit, um, but written English was definitely something that he um, was not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so Bishop Todd shared that he had sent Bishop Noelli to um, an Anglican conference on his behalf. Um, this was taking place in Israel. And Bishop Todd sent Reverend Noelli to an Anglican conference in Israel. And Reverend Noelli was just thrilled to have this opportunity as any of us would be to travel to Israel. And he got there and he was nervous about his English speaking skills. Mm-hmm. And he was going around and meeting people and seeing different vendors. And he came across a Jesus film table. He recognized it right away because he'd been using Jesus film in many of these villages, um, just as Bishop Todd had been. And he went up to the table and saw that there was an opportunity to um, write something and explain how one of these backpack um, systems to show the film, um, how it could be useful um, in his ministry. Now, the thing is, he had to write why he wanted this. And he was, as he described it, 
desperate to make this happen. It would, you know, just to be able to have this to go out into the bush would be incredible. But he thought, I can't, I can't write this in English. So he took the form and he prayed and he asked Holy Spirit to give him the words. And he wrote. And sometime later, Bishop Todd was notified that I'm not sure if it was one or two, I think two of these backpack systems were ready to be picked up at the port. And Bishop Todd really didn't even know anything about this. And, and so he talked to Reverend Noelle, who explained how he had written this, but never thought anything would happen. And there they were, this incredible blessing. And so I heard this story and I was so excited. And I wrote to Holly and said, look, this is an incredible blessing. And here's the story behind it, that this Malagasy priest who had been sent to Israel wrote about why this would be useful in their country. And it happened. <laughs> they it got the backpacks and they're using them. And we have since seen them used um, to great effect. And um, so then Holly found the actual letter and you can share your part here. Cause I was just so thrilled with joy to, to see this. Yeah. So the, the woman who provides um, the backpacks was so intrigued by the story. She went back in the paperwork and she found it and it's amazing. It's beautifully filled in, in almost perfect English. And I think, of course, the Lord doesn't do anything by halves. He does it all the way and he does it beautifully. Um, and it's incredible how God can work even through paperwork. So <laughs> we are so, so grateful. And it was so fun to see the actual paperwork and to look at that and know that that was the work of the Holy Spirit and Father Noelle to, to, to know him personally and to know that that had to have flown, uh, flowed from his prayer to the Lord to be able to write that. So it's just beautiful. So awesome. Shay, thanks for being our guest today. It is um, incredible to be in partnership with you as in what you're doing around the world. And um, we just are so grateful um, that the Lord's called us into this long journey of faithfulness together. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and just um, bless you and your ministry and all that you're doing. And I just pray that many, many would continue to know Jesus through what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And thanks everyone for joining us on another Unheard Story, where our mission is to tell the stories that the world needs to hear. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Film Project podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear.